Hello there, I'm Richard and welcome to another episode of the Teacher Hacks podcast. I've got Matt Beer with me today. He's an ex-maths teacher who taught in Basildon and was the head of year nine. And he went on to work for a short period in consulting, uh, but found the pull of education too much to resist. He's now the CEO of Votes for Schools, which is an education startup dedicated to teaching young people about the world around them and ensuring that young, uh, young persons, each young person's opinion matters and is heard. So welcome, Matt. Thanks, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me, Richard. Thanks, so I want to start by just understanding a bit more about your career to date so far. So talk to me a little bit about your time in the classroom and what led to you uh, leaving the classroom. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll, I'll lead into my time in education and, and kind of give an idea of what it, how good a teacher I was and how I felt in the classroom before moving on. So I started teaching, in all honesty, probably on a bit of a whim in that I was looking for something to do after going to university. I was looking at all sorts of different options like consulting and finance and technology. And I was given a Teach First flyer as I was walking around one of the kind of milk round days. Uh, which I thought looked quite good. And then I went to the Teach First day and it was far more interesting than all the consulting days. So it seemed like something worth trying. So I started on a bit of a whim. Three days after university, I was in training with Teach First. So there wasn't a great deal of break after the summer exams. And then six weeks after training, I was thrown into the classroom. Um, And that classroom experience was certainly a bit of a shock. So I remember on my first day, the first thing the headmaster said to me in the morning was, how can I be a maths teacher when I didn't study maths at university, which was highly encouraging. Um, then I was locked out of school. I came, I walked around the classroom and I was accused of being a sixth former and being out of lessons when I shouldn't be. <laughs> I was given a science room to teach maths in when I started, um, which wasn't particularly helpful for the distractions with the taps and gas pipes, which I can now sympathise with all science teachers. Um, and I, I remember I used to have a script of lessons. I used to write my lessons on a script, so I would read out the quotes I'd written for myself that I would give to the class. And my last lesson of the day on my first day was with a group of year eights and bottom set, was, was with six with severe special needs and no help. And I was told to teach them Pythagoras, and most couldn't count. And by the end of the lesson, they were running around and tipped over tables, and I was crying in the corner and the the end of the first day I remember just lying down on the floor and just not knowing what I'd thrown myself into but that was teaching certainly got better after that so two years of really fascinating stuff and the thing that really appealed to me and that I really enjoyed doing was trying to bring a more holistic approach to teaching I love teaching maths but I really enjoyed kind of broadening the curriculum and giving students insights into all parts of education went through, as you mentioned, into being ahead of year and being on the pastoral side, and that certainly had its challenges. We were offsteaded five times in my time there, so it, it wasn't the most relaxed environment. And behaviour was a massive challenge, huge truancy issues, huge behaviour issues, and um, some really difficult things to deal with. Um, but after two years, after really enjoying teaching, I, I kind of had my future kind of laid open for me and what do I do and in all honesty I basically I think I just wanted to try other things and I thought I'll, I'll experiment I'll go out and see what's out there so I went into consulting for two years worked in the public services worked in technology found it intensely boring and so when the two founders of Votes for Schools tapped me on the shoulder because they heard I'd been a teacher through a friend and that I was into politics and I was into maths and all these things 
um, it came at just the right time. And so I thought, oh, here's something interesting that I can try where I can be back in education and doing something that I really enjoy. So that's how it kind of fell into place. Fantastic. And I'm, I'm interested to know um, a bit more. So you said you like really enjoyed like teaching the math side of things, but also like the holistic um, stuff. Like, first of all, what did that look like for you in your classroom and what were the sort of challenges you you came up with came up against when when trying to do that yeah so it's a really good question which and, and it was i i loved and i'm sure you know so many teachers sympathize with this i loved the being creative as a teacher and doing things that surprised students i remember those the kind of teacher training days when we chatted about all the all the fun experiences we had and all those lessons were lessons where we come out with something different and something that really surprised students and my favorite lesson was when i used to come out in a lab coat and say that we're exploring physics today and they'd walk in and there'd be a giant picture of the earth on the wall and we'd be talking about elements and forces and people wouldn't have a clue what we were doing until we kind of settled down into some Pythagoras or we settled down into some trigonometry. And I really loved bringing something new to them. Um, and that was, it, it drove me on. We did, we, we kept going. I did Spanish and in, in, in German in our maths lessons. So I made most of our starters different languages so they could try and understand what we were doing through translation. And then we talked about how language is important. But as you mentioned, the, there, were, there were real challenges. One of the challenges is, again, I'm sure teachers can sympathize with, was just lack of time. And especially when I moved into being ahead of year that my time was really squashed and I became less creative and I was very frustrated with myself that I didn't have the kind of ideas that were popping into my head to push new things. And the second one was we were under huge pressure and we were really under pressure to teach the core subjects. Our students had, I think, six hours of maths a week and six hours of English a week and everything else was just squashed into the tiniest segments. And so with six hours of maths a week, one, they were intensely bored by the time they got through to their sixth hour with me. But also, if if I was inspected and if the head head walked in or something and saw me teaching Spanish, I, I wouldn't be, you know, well appreciated. I'd yeah. probably have a stern conversation coming my way. So that was a really difficult balance and something that towards the end of my time in teaching, I was quite frustrated with and wished I could change if I had the ability to. Okay, so then, so you you went and worked as a as a consultant. Um, how long were you working as a consultant for? Just just about two and a half years. Just two and a half two years. years. Okay, yeah. and then you got this tap on the shoulder from um, from a, a friend. Mm. Um, what sort of appealed to you about what Votes for School does? Yeah, so I was I was just about to start a leave of absence from consulting. So I'd done two and a half years of consulting and I was thinking I need some space to think about what I'm doing next. And I decided in my brain that the good thing to do was to make a politics app. I was into politics. I was thinking, let's make a VAP app where adults can vote on things they really care about. So they can select, I'm interested in education, and then they can vote and it will feed through to the Secretary of State of Education and they will get some data on how adults are voting on this topic. Um, and it, all this was happening at the time of the referendum. Mm -hmm. So as I was really thinking about this new idea, suddenly people weren't so happy with direct democracy anymore <laughs> and mass participation. Yeah. So the kind of support for my idea collapsed. So I was feeling a bit deflated and I had this tap on the shoulder. And it was from the two founders, Vivian Creevy and Kate Harris, who were great people and really had the idea that I didn't, which was to take this to students and to, to talk to students about political politics and their participation. So they 
they saw the 2015 election, talked to their children and students around about what was going on at the time and, and what how students and young people felt about politics. And you might remember that the youth participation was at an all-time low in 2015. Mm -hmm. the, the 18 to 24-year-old vote had fallen through the floor and no one was bothering to engage. And so they felt like that something needed to be done about this and we needed to re-engage young people in politics and, and really like invigorate them in what was going on at the time. So they started Votes to Schools with an idea of teaching young people about what was going on in the news and also getting them voting about it actively. And it seemed like a great idea. Great, and like, I think the the idea of like political literacy, talking about your holistic approach to education, it, you're right, it's so lacking. Like, if you think about what's taught in schools, unless someone does a specific politics thing, or it happens to be maybe like one period a term on their PHSE course or something, political literacy just isn't there. Mm. So I think what Votes for Schools does is is really important. I think it's really, really, really interesting. So, so I think probably good at this point to tell tell us a bit more about what you actually do and like how it works um yeah so can you yeah, tell us a bit about that so um what we actually do is very basically we produce lessons every week on topics that follow the news and that it, we've we've broadened out of politics to go into all topics that come up in current affairs but it's it's there to make teachers lives easier it, it's the it's the resource i didn't have which has the kind of holistic politics but not always politics side that I wished I could have had just at my hands to, to teach immediately so we cover everything from Brexit to Trump to homophobia to social media to gender issues to the environment and each one f goes with the week so it was London Fashion Week we did sustainable fashion we had um, the Brexit vote a while ago when it was talking about you know the extension and we vote, we did the single market and talked about the single market to young people and we obviously did we've done Trump a couple of times around the US election which students are fascinated by and it is the easiest way to get young people engaged in politics yeah. as to mention Donald Trump's name so we do all those different things and um, as well as that as well as getting lessons every week we send to schools um, access to the voting platform so students can vote and for teachers it's, it's really great because they get some lessons they don't have to prepare but really are easy to use and don't need resources that can cover tutor time or assemblies and, and really show students that their education ties into what's going on in the world. And then the voting platform allows their students to vote, which which gives them information on what their young people think about things that matter. I had a long chat with a head teacher in East London not too long ago who was saying that he they did an anonymous survey with their students um, separately on uh, different issues they were facing and they found out that they had a real drugs problem in their school and they had no idea they had no idea that this was happening until they did an anonymous survey and that's what we seize upon so all our voting is anonymous and students can comment completely anonymously on the vote and we have brought out opinions and ideas that the schools aren't originally aware of. So they're learning up what do our students actually think about things like home, homophobic language and the way attitudes towards different sex, sexes. And what do students think about the environment? What do they think about their politics? So it's, um, it's proving vital in giving teachers an idea of what's going on in their schools. Great. So ju just to clarify in my head, so the, they vote anonymously, but the, the data is not anonymous. Exactly. It, it, it is anonymized, but it's available to use, and in, in the school gets a breakdown of what they 
Yeah, so that's spot on. So let's say we're doing a topic on, um, we're doing a topic that's just finished on the sustainable fashion. Would you rent your clothes? What with the vote, the teachers get the national result. So yes or no, what's the majority on would you rent your clothes? They get their school result, they get the region result, and they can ask for comments from students. But all the individual entries are anonymized. So any comments would be from anonymous, and any entries would be anonymized completely. So there's no data worries about us knowing things about individual students. Okay, great, and. So I, I believe you've, you've sort of brought out some interesting bits of like some data that you've, you've come across or like some analysis that you've done within those for schools. I'm interested to hear what, um, what sort of, sorts of things you're picking up on and what's this, what are the trends that are going on in young people these days? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, thought we, I thought we could do a little, uh, a little uh, minor quiz, Richard, to see what you oh, thought right, about okay, that, what right. you thought like the students. So... Spot the teacher here. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> I couldn't, couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. It's an activity for us. It can't just okay. be a talk. So um, I don't. We do, I do this when I'm chatting to schools, just because I find it really interesting. So when we, we've done, we did a vote a few months ago. On would you add insects to your diet? So we did that primary, secondary. But this is I'm taking the primary data. So what percentage of students do you think in primary would have said they would add bugs to their diet? Do you think ballpark figure? Primary being right through from early years. Yeah, right end from infants. We work with infants, so okay. right from four up to key, end, end of key, key stage two, eleven. Okay, so I reckon twenty uh, percent. Okay, not bad guess. With thirty nine percent said they would eat, they guess. would eat insects. <laughs> but like, yeah, thirty nine is high. Yeah, you wrote, the, the, some of this is it's fascinating to learn, and we're learning all the time. Yeah, so thirty nine percent. We we went into the insects topic. We thought students would be put off about it being a little bit gross. But they seem really open to it, and and again, what we're because we've been around for about three years now, we're starting to join the dots on what young people think, and and this this bugs topic links to the vegetarianism topic. So we did a topic on vegetarianism. So what we can see now is that thirty nine percent of primary students said they'll eat bugs, and also just over fifty percent of primary students said they'd consider becoming vegetarians. So there's a real yeah. interesting, almost borderline turning to the majority feel amongst yeah. young people, young primary students that they might consider not eating meat, which is really. Do you have any data of how that compares in secondary? Yeah, so it's it, interesting. It, it all goes in different directions. Mm-hmm. So it's it. I never want to generalise with trends, um, and we might find it slightly to be slightly different when we consider very similar topics. But with the vegetarianism, we saw that there was, there was an interesting erosion of passion for vegetarianism <laughs> as students grew older. Okay. So is that that they um, have less compassion for animals? Is it that they prefer to eat meat as they get older? I don't know, but we had a 50% sway with primary students at about half and half of vegetarianism. Then it drops to about 30 to 40% in secondary, and then colleges it drops even further to about mm. 20% of college students would consider vegetarianism. But looking at the population, that's still you know, two, three times the amount of vegetarians yeah. we have in the adult population now, even in colleges. So, yeah, that was a that was an interesting result. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's part of the, the great thing about what we, we can see now is we can see what, how it changes as students age. And um, we're really interested in learning more about that as we go on. Have you got another one for me? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I quite want so, another one. Now. Yeah, yeah. So we've got some, I've got some lighthearted ones and some more kind okay. of serious ones. So we'll go with one that's... That touch it is our introduction to a more serious topic. So, um, should Eid be a public holiday? 
Well, how do you think students, and that's, we, this is the secondary data, so how do you think secondary students, 11 to 18s, would have voted on whether Eid should be a public holiday or not? I think uh, around 50% thought it should. Okay, so we had 69% thought okay. it should be. Which, it was, it, was an, it was an opportunity for us to then talk about religions more widely, and religious yeah. tolerance, and, and how multicultural the UK is. And um, but it, that was a that was a big swing for me. Mm. I didn't feel like we'd have that majority endorsing Eid as a public holiday. And most of the comments we've had, which are the kind of qualitative side, are students saying that they do only think it's fair, given that Christianity has kind of covered most of our, the way we have holidays now. That Eid should be respected just like that. And mm. this is this is against a range of all schools. So when we do these votes, I'm talking about everything from. Um, independent schools in South East England to kind of grammar schools in North England. It's, yeah. it's every range of schools, religious schools, non-religious schools, all schools. And is it all over the country? Because obviously I think like obviously the, the religious demographics will change as yeah. you go through different cities, countryside, etc. So, so it's, it is all over the country. We've got about 450 schools now just over and they're fairly well spread. The, the kind of Big hot spots we've got it's London, as you'd anticipate, but Birmingham and the West Midlands we have a lot of schools in, and then the Northwest with Manchester we're in a lot of schools okay. there. The rest of them are spread out across the country. We've got a few gaps. Um, I don't, you know, given I'm from Yorkshire, I'm not as happy with the amount of schools that are in in Yorkshire. Yeah. But overall, we, we're quite well spread out. So it's um, the data is really useful for that, and we we really have a good understanding of school students from different backgrounds, which is nice. Mm. Um, but yeah, let's um, let's do what we'll do. So I'll do another one, and then I'll kind of segue it for you, Richard, into the the more serious understanding okay, of the yeah. game. So this is secondary again. Um, is social media bad for your mental health? Mm, you see, I reckon quite a high percentage know it's bad for them, but still probably use it. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to say. 75% said yes. Interesting. We had only 47% Oh, said really? Yes. Okay. But it was very close. And this this is, again, it's some we're learning a lot because you can tie different things together here. When we first started, we did, um, should mobile phones be banned from the classroom? And I was super optimistic that we could change some. <laughs> I, didn't, I wanted it to be objective, but I thought some students might change their minds. And I, I worked, the school I worked in had a mobile ban. And I personally... In my teaching days, thought a ban on mobiles was a good idea. I don't know how in the classroom. About it. Yeah. yeah, okay. In the classroom, and actually, well, just in the school non-stop. It shouldn't yeah. be. I personally think not in corridors. You know, you hand, you you turn them off when you arrive at school. You turn them on when you leave yeah. school. Um, so I was hoping we might see you know some favour from students there, but eighty-six percent said no. Said they, said they they wanted their phones in schools, and so that was fair enough. But the but then tying to our, that ties into our social media. So we're we're kind of learning that students definitely want to have phones in schools. They see that as now the, the status quo. Mm-hmm. But they're very much clear that they there is a, so, a mental health issue that they're worried about. And also when we moved to now, which we did recently, anonymous apps. So we said, um, do anonymous apps increase bullying? Because you, you know you might know of there are quite a few new apps now yeah. with forums and message boards that students are on, and they're terrifying. When I my step uh, sister, I had a look like horrible stuff goes on. There, yeah, right. Like yeah. 
Anyway, sorry, go yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, so it's, um, you feel like it's, students might feel like they have a license just to be horrible to each other. I mean, they're just really difficult. And 70% of the students that we asked said that anonymous apps increased bullying. And so they led to more bullying. So that we're seeing that overall on our social media perspective, students are wedded to it being part of their future, but they're very clear that there are some real drawbacks to it. Yeah. And then when we go into the comments, so these comments have come anonymously from pupils when we get about two to three hundred comments per topic anonymously that go into their real feelings on the issue. So social media, we had um, one student say they think it's probably the largest reason, um, the largest problem for mental health at the moment in young people. We've had students say they frequently use social media, but they know it's bad for them because there are too many perfect people to look up to. Um, and these are kind of the things that we'd expect, but if you can delve into it, and we, we're learning some more things that people think that we wouldn't might not expect. So some comments saying they're actually, they find that social media can be really good for areas like mental health and areas like um, things they find difficult because there are support groups there are places they can go to ask questions yeah. and there are there are groups of people that will make them feel like they're not the outlier uh, and it's the same thing when we look at kind of other ways and places they can support like there are some students who said they live in rural communities and social media is that vital link to them that allows them to communicate and feel like they're not lonely so it's um, it's a it's a really interesting area, and it kind of comes out in balance with the social media report the government's bringing out. There are definitely some issues there, but there are also some areas where students see uh, a positive side to it, and they see it as a vital part of the future that we will have to understand and deal with and teach to in education. So, do you do any sort of um, so obviously this once an issue comes out and has been seen as something that needs to be worked on, what happens then? Do you then think about the resources you're creating and how you can feed that, make that feedback loop happen? Or do you think about how you work with government, school, uh, academy chains, things like that? What, what's the, what's the yeah. process? So we've recently started really focusing on this area and how can we actually do something with these votes. And the one thing we do now every week is we have feedback from people who are in influential positions that can look into these areas. So, for instance, we did, on a similar note, we were looking at terms and conditions and access to the internet, and we got, we've just spoken to Snapchat about this, and said this is what the students think, and they've come back to us. Um, we're in a dialogue. They've come back to us kind of saying they think they spell things out and make it really easy, but we, we think students need some extra support there to understand what they're getting into, what data they're giving up, what they're, what they're exposing themselves to. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we're, every week we're trying to get some feedback and, and it's going really well. We did a disability focus on the high street and you might remember that around Christmas time there were some stories about disabled access to the high street yeah. and there are a few stories about um, people with autism having days where the supermarkets would clear out or hours where they'd clear out just for them so they could have a more controlled environment and we spoke to a couple of charities who then took the students votes and used it in reports to government to push forward we work with people like UNICEF, so we're doing a chat, we're doing a topic next week on child marriage, which UNICEF will take the results from and use that in their reports and discussions with government. So we're working hard to get their students' voice out there and get some response to it. The, the biggest work we're doing at the moment is trying to work with the Met on violence and extremism, uh, and we're 
currently in early stages of just increasing young people's dialogue with the police and getting their voices used by the police in a more regular way. So yeah, it's a really big place for us at the moment and something we're growing with and we're hoping that we can get back to all our students that you know see our lessons and do them to say, this is what's happening with your vote and this is how your voice is being heard and, and really show them that they actually can make a difference and they can be heard and that go coming right back to the start when we were talking about politics, that they can have faith in politics and there, yeah. there is something that can be gained from participating. It's so interesting, it's so exciting. There's so many like uses and applications yeah. of this and like so many benefits, not just to the kids, but to the like wider society and like developing understanding between generations and things like that. It's, it's really, really interesting. Um, just to like rewind a little bit. Cool. So you said like, so you said when you do a, when you like have a topic that you want to explore, you start with an introduction to that topic, which is the resources you create, right? So does every single vote, does that have an introduction to it to help them sort of understand the issue and how does that yeah, work? Yeah, absolutely. And also what, what impact do you think that has on the, the voting that happens? So, the, yeah, there's a huge area there. So the, um, we, we make sure our lessons are supposed to be the precursor to the vote. And they're not necessarily debates, they're information. So in a 15 minute tu tutor time, it's a snapshot of what is this issue and, and how, how, do you, how are you involved in it? So if we do something like, um, like let's say, uncontactable tribes, the 15 minute lesson is, who, where are these tribes? How do they live? And how, how might we be spoiling their lifestyle or how might we be helping them? And just a very quick understanding before the debate starts. So everything we do, all the lessons we provide are supposed to be an interesting set of information before they start the debate. And we have to be extremely careful that we're objective. Mm -hmm. And when we're doing certain topics, we have to, we go to authorities on this to make sure we're not leading anyone in any different directions. And we ensure that we're, we're not biased at all, which has been difficult in certain I situations. Imagine, yeah. Like you can imagine topics as controversial as Brexit or, or Trump. We, we've had to be really careful to, to make sure that nothing we're saying leads in a certain direction. So we've gone to organizations like facts who have kind of checked that all our information is correct and not leading students we've talked to the government we when we do mental health or any health issues we talk to doctors so it's really closely resourced and checked the um, one of the interesting ones is that it was homophobia and we don't shy away from topic targeting difficult issues and this is some of the some of the debate we constantly have in the office because we've covered homophobia with primary students we've covered transgender with you know all ages we've covered radicalization and extremism and we don't hold back and we, when we did homophobia with with primary students it was schools immediately got in contact with us our schools a few schools were like we're not quite sure of this it's quite you know homophobia is a big deal and it, we're not sure you know young people will understand it but our lessons were very carefully laid out to introduce relationships and, and how people get on with each other and how those different relationships form and what's acceptable in society and what's culturally accepted now and what's and how we're progressing. And we had the feedback from primary schools was amazing on homophobia. They said we had students and you know, kind of year fours, five, sixes saying they really didn't understand kind of 
what gay people you know thought and, and and how you became a gay person or how why someone was gay until they looked through this and they could now appreciate that and they now and they knew parents or relatives or friends who were gay and they now much better understood what they were doing and that what they might say in slang might be hurtful so we're quite proud of the ability to try and tackle one really difficult topic and two to try and have objective kind of resources there that will give students a start on this but then enable them to go off and have their own opinions so interesting i think it's so so great like uh, it was such a an important thing that i think a lot of people shy away from you know you think of when I was teaching, I was just bloody teaching like, you know, PHSE. Like, oh God, I have to talk about sex. And you know, you know, I, I was, I was, I was that guy. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's, it's not an easy thing to do, but if you're giving the teachers the support to do that, I think that's, it's that's really, it's, it's really brilliant. Not easy. Yeah. Just, I remember those PSHE lessons for me. It's, you know, it's and sexism isn't yeah. even like a controversial no, issue or anything. <laughs> But like you know, teachers have to teach about pornography and the access to it now, and that's that's not easy. Yeah. You know, the PSHE lesson, um, and we we haven't do, we haven't released our lesson on pornography yet, but we're doing a lesson on it that gives teachers the ability then to access it mm-hmm. and say, I've got the support here. I can talk about this, and I know how to. And and I feel it's good because when I was certainly at school, I never talked about these things. Yeah. You know, our PSHE we. I remember the kind of drugs assemblies when you were told not to do drugs and it was like ground into you. Just don't do drugs. It's yeah, it's as simple as that. Yeah. <laughs> Just don't do them, they're not good for you. Exactly. Yeah. And the sex ed when it was kind of, it, the teachers did their absolute best, but it felt a little bit formulaic and most students switched off. And we are really desperately trying to do topics that feel relevant and, and engage students while doing covering these important areas and make, helping them to understand them. So it's um, it's been a real experiment and we're really enjoying kind of trying to do new areas of teaching in a different way. Great. Have you got any more um, like bits of data or stuff that you've, you've sort of picked out as being particularly interesting? Sure. We will do... So the ones that I feel like I need to cover... So I feel like I need to cover Brexit... Um, so mentioned the B word a lot of times it, in this podcast. Uh, <laughs> I, I think it's trumped to me because my life is because I'm slightly interested in politics. I yeah, don't know, I follow it yeah, too often. Sure. But the um, sh- should what what I'll just ask you is what you think on this, Richard. But should people from Britain and Europe be allowed to live and work in each other's countries? And the reason we did a topic like that, we phrased it like that, is because Brexit had already been decided. But we wanted to talk about freedom of movement and help yeah. explain that. But what, how do you think students voted on that secondary student? Uh, I think it's probably quite a high proportion said yes. I'd say about two thirds said yes. Yeah, not not bad. Higher than you think. Eighty-three percent said okay. that people from Britain and Europe should be able to work in each other's countries. So, it, again, the underlying of that was to discuss freedom of movement. But then, moving away from politics, as I think a few of us will be relieved by, <laughs> is it, um, do aliens exist? Okay. Primary level. Do you want to take a guess at that oh, one? Um... 60% yes. That is spot on. You've got, right. got, yeah, got right. one right. Excellent. 60% of primary students think aliens exist and 40% don't. So that was um, that was a really good one. That was quite fun. And then the, the one that we've kind of, I've kind of dipped into is homophobic language. So secondary, um, do your friends use homophobic language? Do you want to take a guess on that? I think about 70%. No one's hiring. Fifty-eight point seven percent said their friends used homophobic language. And but presumably, precursing that, there was a 
discussion about what yes, homophobia exactly. is. Yeah. Exactly, and, and a lot of the focus was things like the word gay is th- yeah. can be thrown around the playground, but really can when be your friend does something stupid, you exactly know, call gay for it. Yeah, the affiliation of words yeah. like gay with something that in fact means something completely different. Yeah, yeah. So we're doing that. I'm, I'm very excited about you know the lots of future votes we've got coming like I said we co- want to cover topics like pornography we want to cover topics that are currently in the news and the environment we've done a lot on climate change but I think there's more work to do there so there's there's a lot coming and we, we are I would just mention if anyone you know to anyone listening the the data is all on our site completely publicly there to access you don't have to we're not selling it or anything it's there and free to access if you want to learn about what students think just go on votes for schools and scroll down to look at our graphs that's all there great fantastic and just like if schools want to get involved in the voting and get access to your resources what's the what's the process there yeah so it's um they can go onto the website which is just votesforschools.com straightforwardly and they'll see the primary and secondary and college areas but they can just there click it, click onto the contact us site and it will show them how just to say they're interested and send it through to us. Or they can always just drop the team an email, which is info at votesforschools.com. And what I would say is we're obviously a startup, but it's like you will appreciate in your position, Richard, we're, tr- we're trying to survive and try, trying to grow and all those things. But we're, we're, we're very philanthropically motivated. So if, if a teacher out there really wants has a difficult area if they're like I want to talk about gangs and I don't have anything or I want to talk about um, kind of sex education but I don't have anything then just drop us an email and and ask for it we'll happily provide some resources for free if it's some areas you're struggling in because I just it would be good to know that teachers are being helped fantastic all right well Matt Beer thank you very much it's been really interesting talking to you Um, and yeah good luck with it yeah thanks very much Richard and thanks for having me